The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network The Bob Seska Show Presented by BubbleGenius.com Hey folks, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week If the Twitter toddler in the White House has you completely stressed out head on over to BubbleGenius.com and pick up their exclusive Republican voodoo doll featuring the face and body of our cartoon dictator this item is only available for a limited time, so get yours now. Only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, with a third of the proceeds going to support the campaigns of resistance candidates across the country. Plus, if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Eat Bob. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. This here's a 2008 Dodge Stratus. It's got some gears in there and a steering wheel, and I've outfitted the roof with a vinegar spritzing cannon to dissipate chemtrails while I drive. I'm Alex Jones, and this is Crazies in Cars Getting Conspiracies. We're here in Newport, Rhode Island to talk conspiracies with my sidekick at InfoWars.com, Mr. Dan Bedondi. Uh, hello, this is Dan Bedondi from TruthRadioShow.com. Dan, Alex Jones. Hello? Uh, hello, can you hear me? Uh, hello? Dan, I think you're holding the phone upside down again. Uh, get off the line, whoever you are, because uh, uh, I have to call Alex Jones to be on his show. Dan, this is Alex Jones. Dan? Dan. So, Dan, how do you like my Dodge Stratus? As you can see on the dashboard, I have a special radar warning system to alert us when Obama's weather weapons are in the vicinity. Tiny helicopters and airplanes moving tornadoes all around. I drive slow in the driveway and all of those dings. That's special. I also got knowledge of the Illuminati and the occult especially. Say... Where's a good place in Newport to talk about conspiracies, Dan? Uh, we could go to my apartment. But we were just there three minutes ago when I picked you up. I'll get off at this exit. Wait, wait, wait. Don't grab the steering <laughs> After causing a serious five-car pileup, we're here in a ditch along the highway in Rhode Island talking conspiracies. Officer Dan Badani from TruthRadioShow.com. Where in the Constitution does it say government can take over and occupy Texas? Sir, your brain is literally hanging out of your ear right now from your car accident. How are you still talking? Shall not be infringed. Shall not be infringed, officer. Dan, this officer is clearly associated with the Bilderbergs, Raytheon, IBM, Bechtel, Agenda 21, Microchips, k inducing juice boxes. Officer, are you a shape-shifting lizard people from outer space? Seriously, how is Mr. Badondi still walking around with his brain leaking out of his head? Ah, uh, George Washington was a true conservative. Next time on Crazies in Cars Getting Conspiracies, we'll talk to Texas Congressman Louie Gomer. Don't cast aspersions on my asparagus. Be there. Bob Seska. Bob Seska. You really are sick. The Bob Seska Show. Eat sh- Bob. God damn it. Hello, Bob. Hello. I, I like the Rachel Maddow sound better than I do this. Eat sh- Bob. <laughs> Much better. Yeah. I had to grab that from uh, John Oliver. Just to, you know, just because the opening of the show is just a little too friendly, maybe, with uh, Rachel. Hello, Bob. Uh, I've uh, temper it with this. Eat sh- Bob. <laughs> that gives it an edge. <laughs> That's exactly right. It is Tuesday, June 20, 2017. And this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob, and we're brought to you by the best soap in the world. It's BubbleGenius.com. We're also brought to you by the Bowen Law Group and attorney Charles J. Bowen. Get free legal advice at thebowenlawgroup.com slash Bob and Chez, or just click the link of the podcast page. And guess who's here? Buzz Burbank is here from uh, Buzz Burbank News and Comment. And, uh, of course, you can hear Buzz on uh, on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and uh, realmnetwork.com. That's R-E-L-M network.com. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, uh, buzzburbank.com, right? Yes, thank you. And wherever fine podcasts are sold. <laughs> That's right. And and I before we go any farther, I, I think people should know if they don't realize already, that was you in 
four different roles, I believe. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the, the Alex uh, in the Alex Jones sketch, which I enjoyed very much. I am the uh Peter Sellers of stupid radio bits. Now, have you have you are you stepping up your acting because you're now friends with Mark Hamill and BB Newirth? That's exactly right. I, I'm I'm starting to take classes. I'm uh, of the method style of acting. I actually it took me a long time to break out of the Alex Jones role. That was Thank well played. That was well played. And and I, I first did not recognize you as Alex Jones. I began to hear you a little bit uh, in in the other crazy guy. Yeah, uh, and Dan Bedondi. Yeah, right? yeah, thank you, Dan Bedondi. <laughs> uh, you know, I began to hear, you, and then I realized, well, the whole thing is him. And you know, so but excellent job, a fine job in four different roles. You're to be applauded, sir. Why? Thank you, my friend. Ain't sh- Bob. Uh, yeah, in fact, uh, you know what? It's it's kind of creepy because I could actually like spend the entire day walking around as Alex Jones. I just spend <laughs> my days just like shouting things at the television yeah, out of Alex Jones. That's see now I'm concerned. That's not healthy. <laughs> that's uh, right. If if you'll recall, if you'll recall, Jonathan Winters, the comedian, the late, late comedian, uh, got stuck one time in the Maud Frickert role, and <laughs> yes. and he just lived that way for a while, and and he was committed because of it. Yeah, uh, but but he he talked about that later frequently. What a what a sweet and wonderful man he was, but very odd and and you know very talented. But uh, be careful of getting stuck in those roles. Yeah, you know it's uh, it's weird because the longer I do Alex Jones, I, I look in the mirror, and the more I start to look like deep vein thrombosis with a mouth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, <don't>, <laughs> see, it's not it's just not healthy, Bob. He's a talking thumb, and I, I would rather not lapse into uh, being caught in that persona. Thank try you very to, much. Try to, try to confine that to the theater. <laughs> All right, so it is uh, day one fifty two of the Trump crisis, and. Uh, on a positive, on a really, really positive note, no. Uh, one of my radio heroes, of course, you're you're like my top shelf radio hero, Buzz. Aww. Stephanie Miller is on the cover of LA Weekly right wow. now. Go to your nearest newsstand. Do they still have newsstands? I don't know. Go to so. go to your next nearest newsstand and pick up LA Weekly right now. You know, I've had many, uh, many, many influences in, in what I do in in my career, whatever it is. This is. Uh, but but Buzz, who's here on the show right now, and uh, and Stephanie have directly helped my career at, well, that's at wonderful. so many steps along the way. Uh, and I, and I thank both of you, you uh, Buzz and and Stephanie, who I hope is listening right now. And uh, I I just can't thank you enough. And you deserve Stephanie. You deserve all of these accolades, everything that's happened. And she's I mean literally on the cover. Some great photographs in there, and uh, and and I get quoted once or twice there. I'm also known in the article as being. Uh, Bob Seska, whose podcast partner Ches Pazienza died. Yeah, I, mean, I understand how those things get attached to you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'm the guy whose podcast partner died. Yeah, well, hopefully <laughs> we'll we'll overcome that. We'll make you famous for something else. You are busy saving America, so you know you could have that instead at some point. I have to say about Stephanie, what a what a lovely, funny. A wonderful a woman, what a wonderful person she is. Yeah. I don't know that she remembers me, but I filled in uh, doing news on the classic rock station where she and another guy were spinning records in the morning. Wow. Uh, wow. Uh, some some years ago. And I enjoyed it just thoroughly. And, and she was uh, very welcoming and warm and delightful. And, and, and uh, you know, I always remember that it was a wonderful week. I also know. It scared the bejesus out of whatever whoever their regular news guy was, because he was kind of afraid, and I, maybe that was why management sort of encouraged this. I think yeah. he was kind of afraid that he would be losing his job uh, to me. <laughs> uh, as it turns out, that was not the case. He kept his job. Yeah, yeah. Reminds me of a lot of Larry Sanders episodes where he'd have a fill-in guy, like it was right. either John Stewart or Dana Carvey, and, right. and then he'd constantly obsess uh, on being replaced <laughs> by one of them. Of course. Yeah, oh my god fun. yeah yeah and in fact i think i think that gig that she was working at at the time was mentioned in the article too uh when she was doing uh you know morning radio music radio in and, chicago yeah 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 absolutely and then uh, moving on to talk radio when she got to la right. and uh yeah i mean i i'm god i'm so grateful to uh to both of you and just in this context stephanie miller of course and i remember um 
I remember a, a long time ago talking to you about radio and doing a, doing a show that had a, mm-hmm. a political edge to it. And I said, you know what, Buzz? You know who you need to listen to? And this is before I knew Stephanie Miller. I said, Buzz, you got to hear the Stephanie Miller show. And you're like, oh, I know her. <laughs> so right, I said, great. Right. Listen to what she's doing with political talk right now. That's how it should be done. And I, I say this over and over again. And I'm sure Stephanie is getting tired of hearing me say it. But uh, the way she does it, if more progressive talk radio hosts did what stephanie miller does maybe not necessarily ripping her off but picking up on the vibe that she has on that show i think progressive talk radio would be far more popular than it is as it as it stands right now with stephanie miller's show obviously as an exception progressive talk radio doesn't always do so well well it, it <laughs> did or may it, not it, know it wasn't doing well at the time that she got into it but uh, she was very smart to stay with it yeah. Uh, on, only conservative radio was flourishing when when she started doing this, and uh, an entire network of liberal talk uh, fell apart because yeah. there just wasn't the audience for it. Well, people are ready to listen now, yeah, uh, yeah. more than ever, and you you can witness that in the fact that uh, CBS came very close to looking for ways to get out of its contract with Stephen Colbert when he was coming in third place in the initial months of his hosting of of the late show. And now he's a runaway number one because he arrived uh, making fun of Trump and he has consistently done that. He's become known as the place for that for a lot of Americans. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's made him number one. It's, it's now become commercially viable to be liberal for the first time yeah. in, a lo- in a long time. So I, we can celebrate that fact as well. And, oh, yeah. and good for Stephanie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And how many times have we heard that uh, that uh, Rachel Maddow or, or Lawrence O'Donnell or there was going to be some big primetime shakeup at NBC, MSNBC, mm-hmm. and, right. and now Rachel Maddow is maybe in the top three or four? Oh, oh, no, across, number, number one. Uh, uh, yeah, but across all of cable Yes, uh, across yeah. all of programming in cable news, of course, she's by far number one. Lawrence O'Donnell is maybe two, uh, uh-huh, maybe right. three, depending on the he's, night. He's uh, got a good lead in, but he does a good show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the two of them combined is just a juggernaut, and and it yeah. just goes to show. I think with with politics, I don't want to get too inside baseball here, but with political programming, whether it's political content and print, uh, podcasting, mm-hmm. uh, broadcasting, and so on. It's really very, very dependent and linked to what's happening in the news. Oh, yeah. You don't have to tell me. As a yeah. guy who's been new in news for uh, the better part of half a century, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, you know, it, I'm always subject to the material. I mean, I've never been so busy or so engaged as I am right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, it is, I remember quieter times. <laughs> I, I, I hope, I hope quieter times come again one day, but right now we obviously have our work cut out for us. Quieter times, a good problem to have. Yeah, as it turns out, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so go pick up LA Weekly. Stephanie Miller right there in the cover. You can't miss it. And, uh, and again, thank you to her and, and congratulations. Um, we want to have, we, we're hoping to have another big congratulations today. And really? that'll be for John Ossoff if he pulls this off in the, sure. in the Georgia 6th. This is Tom Price's old seat. Appropriately enough, health care is on the table right now, too. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But Ossoff is leading in the polls, a buzz, maybe by the skin of his teeth. Uh, but yes, very close. 0.5%, uh, something a, like that. In a, in a district that went, to, what, 14% or more for Trump in the last yeah. election. And in a district that hasn't voted Democrat since it voted for Jimmy Carter. Unbelievable. Uh, that's, yeah. that's how long it's been. So if this district flips, that's uh, hugely significant. That's yes. right. And it, is, and it is, of course, as I think everybody realizes, a, sort of a referendum on Donald Trump. And, and again, I know that the, uh, the goal is to win here. And I don't want to de-emphasize the need to win. We have to win. We need it's all right. hands on deck. We need every yeah. seat that we can get in the House of Representatives, especially going into 2018. But that, all of that said, I, you know, just the the common wisdom is is that if he at least is deeply competitive, if this comes down to a percentage mm-hmm. point here or there, one way or another, it it has to be seen as a win for the Democrats going into 2018 as a predictive uh, election for how 2018 might turn out. Now, as you said, if this is a heavily Republican district, if that ends up going, well, it's not, it's actually not as, as conservative as Karen Handel represents, but, you know, right. conservatives all flock together regardless. Well, and of- mo- mo- most Republicans are not as conservative as Karen Handel, which is one 
one of the things John yeah. Ossoff has going for him. Exactly, exactly right, right. And so uh, I, this has got to be the canary in the coal mine, as as everyone's saying. I think mm-hmm. uh, if if again if John Ossoff comes within. You know, if he wins by a percentage point, obviously that's that's the the best news or wins by several percentage points. That'd be the greatest news. But even if he loses by a percentage point or two, even it's really tight, regardless of what Donald Trump will say coming out, (laughs) which is going to be massive, huge, tremendous, very, very tremendous victory. Right. Uh, Yeah. All of that aside, it's still got to be seen politically as a victory for the Democrats, although I still think we got we got to fight to win. And I'm, I'm really concerned because. I, I heard it reported again on Rachel Maddow last night that for some reason the DNC hasn't pumped a whole lot of money, not into the uh, Ossoff race, not into Georgia 6th, but the South Carolina 5th race, which is also happening today. That's Mick Mulvaney's old seat. Right. Evidently, the Democrats just have not pumped a whole lot of money and an effort into that, I guess. Well, because the Republicans are so far ahead in the polls, yeah, it might be wasted it, money. That exactly. That's how they look at it. They have to, or they believe they have to, uh, budget their spending based on their likelihood of winning. Now, you know, true. Uh, if they got more involved, if they spent more money, it would increase their likelihood of winning. Yeah. But but would it be enough to push them over the top? And and could they use those dollars elsewhere? They have let some uh, of these types of elections slip through their hands the yep. democratic party has and uh, to the great frustration of many uh, liberals not the least of which is bill maher who is tired of being close you know, wants, <laughs> yeah well that's a, I, wants, I agree with wants, bill maher actually he, he wants he wants victory not close yeah and that that that's really what we need that would be the clear uh referendum on donald trump that's right uh, meanwhile trump keeps tweeting about the uh ossoff race the uh georgia sixth race he said right. here today democrat john ossoff who wants to raise your taxes to the highest level and is yeah. weak is weak on crime and security doesn't even live in the district this is one of several tweets that he's pushed out like this that contain clear disinformation D- donald yeah, oh, trump yeah. is is learning from his russian benefactors how to do this how to weaponize social media to spread disinformation and he's doing it here because if you look up the actual facts of this, and, and many of the uh, of us know this already, Buzz, you certainly do, that that the reason John Ossoff is not currently living in the uh, in the sixth district in Georgia is because he's supporting his girlfriend as she works her way through medical school. They live like five minutes outside the district, and it's only temporary. She's living; he's living with her while she's in medical school and then he's moving right they're both moving right back into the district and that's one of those he's one of those doctor lovers apparently (laughs) yeah exactly and of course donald trump if you look at the uh if you look at trump care being pushed through secretly in the in senate right now uh donald trump no fan of health care so uh well that's something i mean uh, we've seen both parties do this to each other before accusing and, and in many cases accurately accusing a candidate of not living within the district and that is Significant. I believe Ossoff's legal address is within the district, even mm-hmm. if he isn't currently there. I think when I think I think I think I think when most people go to the polls, uh, they don't uh, care about that. They care about what that candidate represents to them. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and you know, again, there are some occasions when there we have what are called carpetbaggers, people going in to a district that they haven't lived in and just setting right. up shop there. Maybe they have some sort of link there uh, with their family, or maybe they lived there for a few years in their childhood, or whatever you call it. Uh, the, that tends to happen quite often. But this is one of those cases where you really can't indict John Ossoff for not living in his district. I mean, he's supporting his girlfriend, God for God's sake. She's going through medical school this is just a temporary thing it's almost like going off to college for a few years and then coming back and you're and you're there it's not as if he's some guy who lives in uh who lives in rochester new york who's (laughs) commuting down to georgia just to uh to run for the election it's not that's not the case at all but of course partisanship aside uh, we we need to restore some kind of checks and balances to the branches of government yeah. uh, that are sorely lacking. And I think maybe more than just Democrats agree with that that concept. Yeah. I, I think we, we need that balance back uh, to 
at least somewhat neutralize this wrong way steamroller of a government we have now. But right, if you happen to be listening to the show before polls close, God damn it, go and vote. God damn it! Right? Go and vote right now. And I believe believe by the time the show is released, uh, there'll still be like an hour and a half maybe for people in uh, North Carolina to get to the polls. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. uh, So maybe maybe we can be of some help by urging people to vote. Meanwhile, Sean Spicer is in trouble. It, It looks like he might be out, uh, though he, he seems to be remaining. They're just going to get someone else. What's the word, Nibuzz? They're going to get someone else to do the press briefings. Well, they're looking at Laura Ingram uh, from Fox. Oh. Uh, you know, one time at Fox and other places, radio and such. Uh, they had approached her at the very beginning, actually, when he first won the election. When Trump mm-hmm. first won, they approached Laura Ingram to be White House a spokesperson, uh, to be the press secretary. Yeah. And she said, okay, so long as I can help set policy. <laughs> They said, well, you know, I don't know about that. And they they ended up with Spicer. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny to watch the Spicer thing. The real reason, the delightful real reason that Sean Spicer is on his way out of the spotlight, out of his out of camera range, mm-hmm. is because of Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> yeah. the, the reports say that Donald Trump hates for his people, his friends, a campaign, Trump campaign donor said that Trump hates for his people to appear weak. And when Trump saw that impression of Sean Spicer and then it went viral uh-huh. and then people, you know, it got all sorts of praise and spreading on social media. When that happened, uh, he was really upset. Yeah. And, and so he's wanted Spicer out of that role. I think, don't you, that Spicer wants out of that role, a relationship with the press that's been contentious from day one when he accused them of lying about the crowd turnout at the inauguration. Uh, you know, I, I, I think he'd like to get out from oh, under yeah. that. He says he says he wants to work in White House communications behind the scenes, which uh, makes me laugh because you don't uh, you don't think of communications as being behind the scenes. <laughs> right. you know, that's a, it's a, I'm going to be I'll talk to you, Bob, but I'm going to be behind this bush. Yeah, that's I right. To- Toby Ziegler on the West Wing was really a behind the scenes guy, wasn't he? <laughs> right. uh, I know this is I mean, when I hear about Laura Ingram or whoever else they're trying to recruit uh, to, to come in and take over doing the press briefings. It's remarkable to me that that more staffers haven't just jumped ship. It would seem to me as if everyone would want to just run as quickly as they can from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue because it is toxic right now to be anywhere linked to Donald Trump or, or any of his top shelf people. It seems to me as if Laura Ingram would do much better sticking with her radio show and doing whatever it is that Laura Ingram does than climbing aboard a ship that is quickly sinking in which uh, I yeah. would estimate, you know, what? how many people went to jail uh, after Watergate? 48 White House staff or something like that? In that in that neighborhood, yeah, it's very close. Yeah, well, I yeah. think we're going to have more people going to jail in this case, and I'm not, not necessarily saying Donald Trump is going to go to jail. That's a whole other legal constitutional question. But the Sadly fact is, it is. Yeah, but I mean, there are so many White House staffers who are on deck to probably go to prison especially if they were working on the campaign. Now, if they're in any way, shape, or form associated with uh, uh, hearing anything regarding Trump Russia, if they've heard uh, anything, seen anything going on untoward, even if they're, in fact, even if they're entirely innocent, even if they have no yes. links oh, whatsoever, absolutely, it is going to cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal defense, even if they are, innocent even if they haven't done anything wrong it could bob Uh, i know that well what we hear anyway is that a lot of white house uh workers have started uh actually started some time ago Mm -hmm. documenting everything kind of all uh, james comey writing everything down keeping track of everything uh some of them have uh, attempted to hire lawyers they were discouraged by I don't know if it was Priebus. I don't remember who it was, but somebody put out a memo saying, oh, you don't need lawyers. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> uh, but that's that's the sort of feeling among the people you described inside the White House. Yeah, yeah. And they're not getting good advice either. As we, uh, as we learned this past week that uh, uh, one of Trump's lo- lawyers, Mark Kazowitz, the slimiest guy in New York, this uh-huh. guy, uh, Cliff Schechter on the show on Thursday, said that uh, Mark Kazowitz leaves a snail trail behind him wherever he goes. This guy that's is not su- that's not unfounded. He's the target of ethics investigation. Yeah, yeah, and of yeah. course, because he was telling White House staffers not to lawyer up, which right. is, a, of course, a major violation of ethics. Where the the uh, both the D.C. bar and the New York bar are looking into that. 
And then the dumbest thing, and I don't know if we're going to get to this entire tape before we uh, have to break at the bottom of the hour and talk about uh, uh, Blue Apron, but uh-huh. but Trump's other lawyer, Trump's other lawyer, Jay Sukalow, or Sekulow, is that Sukalo. who it is? Sekulow. Uh, Sekulow, yeah. Sekulow. Uh, Jay Sekulow uh, just completely walked into it on uh, on Sunday. Uh, and he did it both on CNN and Fox News Sunday, but it was much more spectacular on Fox News Sunday when Chris Wallace was asking him whether or not Donald Trump is truly under investigation for obstruction of justice. And, uh, of course, Donald Trump himself has admitted to it on Twitter like an idiot. And uh, and then, of course, Sekulow goes on to uh, the Sunday shows, especially Fox News Sunday, and then both confirms and denies and literally does both that Trump yeah. is under investigation. So right. on one hand, he's totally not under investigation, he kept saying. And then he confirmed at least twice, which we, we yeah. have the audio right here, uh, at least twice that uh, that Trump is indeed under investigation. I haven't heard well, this. I, I just was I don't know that he did that intentionally. I think his uh, overall message was that Trump is not under investigation. And that's, yeah. you know, we we could just take it at face value because, you, on the other hand, as you pointed out, we have Trump saying he is under investigation. And you, we could just leave that right there. And you can you can uh, come to your own conclusions from what you've seen. Yeah. Seculo has no government experience uh, except that he has represented uh, religious right causes. Trump, uh, you know how Trump got this guy as he saw him on Fox News. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And you would think he would be better, but the problem is in Trump world, everything is upside down. Everything, I mean, things get right. contradicted left and right. Uh, you know, statements are put out and then Trump comes out and contradicts those statements. No one knows what the official White House line is on anything. And that's Well, why- you can't you can't have one. Every time a White House official says something, Trump turns around and contradicts it. Exactly. So what is the message on whether or not Trump is obstructing justice? Trump says he is. Then he says he isn't. Sekulow says he is. And then he says he isn't. This is an astonishing piece of audio. This is a piece of audio that should go into the, the vault. This should be... The first kiosk that you step up to in the future Trump Presidential Museum, <laughs> by right, should be this. It won't be, of course. It'll be, no. you know, just Trump standing there in hologram form saying how terrific the museum is. But this should be <laughs> right there at the at the front gates of the Trump Museum, a- a defining everything that's wrong with the Trump administration. This is Jay Sekulow on Fox News Sunday. And now he's being investigated by the Department of Justice because the special counsel under the special counsel regulations report still to the Department of Justice, not an independent counsel. So he's being investigated for taking the action that the attorney general, <laughs> deputy attorney general recommended him to take by the agency who recommended the termination. <laughs> okay, so first, yeah. first we're, we're, there's more here, but I just wanted to point out that right there with the two dings, that's the two occasions when Sekulow said that Trump is under investigation. I don't know how that's deniable. I don't know how you could say, well, no, I didn't say he was under investigation. Well, he just said twice that Donald Trump is under investigation. <laughs> when, when I'm watching a TV drama, I like it when the bad guy gets desperate. <laughs> Exactly. And this is really, really bad. Just wait wait and see how this goes. So that's the constitutional threshold question here. And that's why, I, as I said, no well, investigation. I, what, what, what's the question? Just, I mean, no, you, sure. you've, stated, you've stated some facts. First of all, you've now said that he is yeah. being investigated after saying that you didn't. No. You, you just said, no, sir, not being that he's being, you just said that he's being investigated. <laughs> No, Chris, I said that the invent anything. Let me be crystal clear so you completely understand. We have not received, nor are we aware of any investigation of the president of the United States. Sir, you just said two times that he's being investigated. (laughs) No. The context of the tweet, I just gave you the legal theory, Chris, of how the Constitution works. If, in fact, it was correct that the president was being investigated, he would be investigating for taking action that an agency told him to take. So that is protected under the Constitution as his Article I power. And, of course, that is wrong, too, because... Because Donald Trump told Lester Holt that uh-huh. the reason he fired Comey was right. because he wanted to stop the Trump rusher. He said rusher right. investigation. Oh, I just say on one hand we have to pay not too much attention to this. I mean, you mm-hmm. do. You have to pay attention to everything. But uh, the average person, again, not not watching every move, doesn't know what to make of this. But it is significant to those of us who are watching closely. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, in order to get, I mean, any any time that someone from the Trump White House starts talking, 
you know that you're going to get both the disinformation and then you're sure. going to get the truth worked in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, right. it's going to be it's going to be both. And this is what we're getting here. Like Donald Trump with Lester Holt said that, uh, you know, he got these recommendations, but it didn't matter. So he got a little bit of the uh, disinformation and then he ended up telling the truth to Lester Holt. He said, well, yeah, I, I, I fired Comey because I wanted to stop Trump Russia. And that's uh, that's yeah. the, the duality of all of these interviews that take place. Every every White House staffer, whether it's Someone like Jay Sekulow, who's not even a White House, that was Trump's attorney, all the way up to Trump himself, constantly contradicting each other. So that's why I do think it's important to uh, listen to what they have to say sure, and then always. and then and then match that up with what they're doing at the same time. And yeah. uh, and, and what they're doing right now, by the way, <laughs> and I'm not saying this is a matter of strategy, but uh, while we're talking about Jay Sekulow and all this stuff. Uh, they're trying to squeeze health care or the, the Trump care uh, AHCA through the Senate in complete secrecy. Quietly. Which, this is yeah. what I talked about on this show weeks and weeks ago yeah. uh, when we we're talking about, well, you know, the dangers of this presidency. While everybody is consumed in this spy drama, which yeah. is very exciting and very riveting, uh, as I as I predicted uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, this gives the Republicans, why do the Republicans stand for it? Because this gives them the opportunity to do these things they've always wanted to do. Yep. And they've they've made up their minds they're going to do this thing. And so they're going to they're apparently going to do it. Uh, a, a lot of noise is being made in resistance to that. It'll be interesting to see how this turns out. In the end, they have the ultimate power. The question is, mm -hmm. will common sense prevail and will the majority of Republicans in the Senate go along with it because even they're concerned about the secrecy of this uh, preparation. Yeah, and here's a great example of completely missing what's being said for the sake of some some superficial thing that we uh, tend to get distracted with and we tend sure. to spend a lot of time on. Uh, Jared, Cu yeah, well, Jared Kushner, actually. We heard Jared Kushner's voice for maybe the first time this week. <laughs> and <good>. Yeah, <laughs> interesting to hear him actually talk with the voice with the, the face that we see all the time. And Jared Kushner, uh, a lot of people spend a lot of time, uh, for some reason, making fun of his voice. I just thought he sounded like a, you know, sounded like a guy in his 20s. I didn't think there was anything unusual about his voice. Uh -huh. but, but what I focused on was exactly what he said here, which raised a big red flag in my head. Here's just a little bit of uh, Jared Kushner from yesterday. We began by analyzing and auditing our current infrastructure. It turns out that federal agencies collectively operate 6,100 data centers, the vast majority of which can be consolidated and migrated to the cloud, something a lot of you know a lot about. Okay, so that's Jared Kushner. Okay. And everyone's hearing, oh, he's got an interesting voice. I've never heard Jared Kushner's voice before. This is a <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going... I'm going... Yeah. Wait, what is he going to do? We'll... we'll do <laughs> And we're going to get into that right after we talk about uh, a Blue Apron. But wow, if you listen to his words and you know what's going on with Trump Russia, you should be very, very concerned by what Jared Kushner is doing right now. Uh, among many things. Among yeah, many, and, many, many, many. And you're going to need to keep your strength up. <laughs> That's right. So and, and in order to do that, Buzz, what do we do? We, well, we, we eat. Yeah, we eat and we order some fine Blue Apron meals. It, it's... It's fresh, healthy. When I sit for sit down for dinner, I want both of those things. But who can afford to eat at a restaurant every night? I can. Uh, no. or, or, or can we afford to shop at high-priced stores and just get not, fresh, no. natural food? No, probably not. I've shopped at these stores and ended up wasting so much good food and so much good money. That's why I like Blue Apron, America's number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service. Blue Apron sends exactly what I need in exactly the right amounts and an easy recipe right to my door. Blue Apron is partnered with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranches across the U.S. Their seafood is certified and sustainably sourced. The beef, chicken, and pork are raised responsibly, and the produce comes from regenerative farms. How good do these meals sound? I'm, I'm getting ready to order up my meals for this month. I, they're amazing. They're so delicious. Yeah, here we go. Warmed smoked trout, fingerling potatoes, and asparagus salad with garlic croutons. That sounds amazing. Spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice. That's at the top of my list right there. That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting. Right after the show's done, I'm ordering that up. Elote style vegetable tostadas with summer squash, poblano peppers, and cilantro rice. That's <laughs> that sounds almost as good. 
or uh, peach honey glazed chicken with mashed sweet potatoes, collard greens, and Thai basil. Try to get those meals at a restaurant or even from a specialty grocer for under 10 bucks a person. Blue Apron has something for everyone because you can customize your preferences and new recipes just keep coming so you never get bored. In fact, you get excited because it makes cooking actually fun. Affordable, elegant, top-quality meals you easily make yourself with fresh ingredients brought to you by Blue Apron. There's no weekly commitment. Stop and start as you please. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free. They'll even pay the shipping because you listen to this show. Go to blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C. It feels good to make incredible, affordable meals at home when the food and recipes come from Blue Apron. That's blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. The Bob Seska Show. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hey, welcome back to today's show. Thank you for supporting the show at iTunes and subscribing. And if you're listening on iTunes right now, make sure to leave us a five-star rating and review. It really helps the show. Thank you in advance for doing that. All right. So here's this, my... by the way, yeah. is the first global warming song ever recorded. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, evidently the world is melting in places like uh, Arizona. I think Arizona right now is actually starting to uh, liquefy and slip into the uh, Baja Peninsula. Reach the boiling point. (laughs) It's pretty damn hot here. I mean, I'm in the North Bay area of uh, San Francisco, and usually Mm -hmm. it's quite spring-like around uh, the entire year. And uh, right now it's about, I don't know, it's uh, 101, 102 degrees. <laughs> it's we, really blazingly lost, hot. In, in recent years, we've lost, I don't know, something like uh, 9,000 people. This is since 1980. I think we've lost 9,000 people here, just here in the U.S. to, to heat. Unbelievable. Uh, to heat waves. Uh, scientists now predicting 74% of the planet will be subject to deadly heat waves uh, by the year 2100. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and we have a president who thinks that the uh, climate crisis is a Chinese hoax. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. Sleep, sleep tight, America. <laughs> Everything's Christ. fine. Go back to your homes. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner, um, yeah, we've heard his voice. Yeah, his voice sounds normal, I guess. Young, I don't know. Young, that's, what all, that's all I got out of it. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. He talked about, the 6,000 federal government data centers that is that are being operated. Yeah, the technology is old, yep. but he but Jared Kushner and the Donald J. Trump administration are meddling with the location and IT uh, uh, you know back end of these data centers, and they want to move everything to the cloud. These are people who have allegedly colluded with Russia to, mm-hmm. to hijack technology as far as hacking and disinformation and weaponizing social media and on down the line uh, in order to disrupt American democracy, to hijack the 2016 election and uh, everything in between. Wrong. And yeah. now and now they want to what they want to reform the federal government data centers and put them on the cloud. Th- these people are going, are going to be responsible for doing these. Well, what, what, the, what could possibly go wrong? What is going on? Yeah. Here? Well, and you're, and the key words in everything you just said are these people, uh, because honestly, uh, it was president Obama who ordered an acceleration, uh, to the cloud. Yeah. Uh, and just something I'd been following was government it for some reason. I, yeah, used to do some voice work for some government IT folks, mm-hmm. and and so I'm sort of familiar with that. And I know that uh, the Obama administration had already ordered a transition to the cloud. I think it is wise, and I think it's the way to go. And yes, absolutely. Do you know parts of our missile system and a separate, uh, slightly separate topic? Parts of it still rely on floppy disks. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. So it it does need to be updated. Uh, it it does need to go to the cloud. We just don't want these folks doing it. It's like trusting trusting the Trump uh, Trump and the Trump crowd with uh, the internet is like trusting a monkey with matches and dynamite. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the comparison. I always compared the Donald Trump administration to, to that viral video that went around for a while of that chimpanzee with the machine gun. Picks up the machine guns and starts shooting people randomly. What could go wrong? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, even if the federal government data centers are operated by Gilligan on a bamboo bicycle, I I don't care. I don't think the Trump administration should be touching 
anything having to do with federal government IT. It seems to that me as we if, agree on, yeah. Yeah, it seems to me as if uh, all it takes is a couple of clever hackers to insert some sort of malware in there, and then suddenly uh, Russian intelligence, Vladimir Putin, FSB, and the GRU, and everything in between, suddenly has full access to the entire government data centers of the United States federal government. That is terrifying. And I know that's a little... I know it's a little conspiratorial, but again, we have lots of uh, of evidence leading us toward the idea that Donald Trump and Jared Kushner and all of their people uh, shouldn't be touching this stuff because we had, we totally agree on that, and yeah. we do have to be careful about conspiracy theories. First of all, I would say, uh, as a fellow uh, resistor, yeah, I would say we we don't need that because we've got plenty of stuff on our plates already, mm-hmm. uh, and. And I do worry sometimes that these uh, sort of conspiratorial concerns uh, can hurt our credibility, and and we don't need that because we are making, uh, as slow and painful as it is, we are making progress uh, toward the truth. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that, and and so we don't want to sidetrack that. We have really right now bigger fish to fry. Your concern also underscores uh, the the concern we've had since election day about what damage Trump might do to the country, including this, yeah. uh, you know, while he's still in office. Again, I, our focus should be on fixing that, on on whatever the remedy for that would be. I think ultimately it's getting Trump and Pence, who I think we're going to find is equally involved in his own ways and certainly not worthy of being either vice president or president. <laughs> I think we may see both of these guys pass out of their uh in, in time, uh, somehow we have to keep a government together, and I know there's a, a line of succession, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the, the effect that has on the country is pretty devastating. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, we, we should be careful about that, but I really think that's where it's headed. And, you know, as to you, something you mentioned earlier in the show about the likelihood of uh, Trump going to jail, so long as the subsequent president doesn't pardon him, as Ford did with Nixon, then he could go to jail, just not while he's in office. In fact, you know, uh, Barack Obama's former White House counsel wrote a piece, Bob Bauer is the guy's name, wrote a piece for uh, Lawfare in which he does argue the case that Donald Trump, while president, can be indicted using Watergate as precedent because there was uh, because th- there was a determination during Watergate that uh, Nixon couldn't necessarily be indicted while he was a sitting president. However, um, he he creates the argument that if a president is under investigation, what's the difference between being under investigation and being under indictment? They're pretty much the same thing. There's just right. some, there's a different housing for an indictment than there would be for the investigation. And but they're two. I, I would say they're lateral moves. They're not necessarily uh, uh, different in some way. One one being forbidden and the other being okay. Okay. If one is okay, then they're both okay, is, is the argument being made. But again, the former White House counsel under Barack Obama. Now, granted, that might be a, a little biased uh, on some sure. level, but but again, you have to put some of these guys uh, where they belong, which is you know lifelong uh, uh, attorneys, lifelong uh, government employees in some cases, bureaucrats. Right. I, you know, I, I really hope in the case of Jared Kushner and the and the data centers that there are bureaucrats out there who people who are are lifelong uh, operators of the uh, of these data data centers and so on, IT professionals, that they'll say something to the effect of, hold on a second, we may check this out. Maybe we should make sure there are no, uh, uh, there's no malware installed that, w- that might uh, hand right. uh, Russia all of our secrets. And so uh, hopefully that'll be the case. But, you know, I just uh, noticed a story this week. Mike Flynn, another uh, thing on Mike Flynn's rap sheet, he worked for a cyber weapons firm that sold spyware used against political dissidents. This is the latest story from uh, the Washington uh, Post. Did he you was see this? Go- he was just goofing around. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't serious, Bob. Ain't sh- Bob. <laughs> yeah. While serving as top campaign aide to Donald Trump, former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn made tens of thousands of dollars on the side uh, advising a company that sold surveillance technology that repressive governments used to monitor activists and journalists. Does this sound really crazily familiar? 
Nor was Flynn's work with foreign entities while he was advising Trump limited to his uh, Ankara deal. He currently or he uh, earned nearly $1.5 million last year as a consultant, advisor, board member, or speaker for more than three dozen companies and individuals, according to financial disclosures. Two of those entities are directly linked to uh, NSO Group, a secretive Israeli cyber weapons dealer founded by Omri Levy and Shalev Julio, yeah. who are rumored to have served in uh, Unit 82 the Israeli equivalent of the National Security Agency. Yeah, this is getting pretty deep, and, and, yeah. and I, I don't doubt that he did all of these things, but I think it leads us to what I believe is the big story of the week, and that is that uh, because it appears investigators have Flynn dead to rights on yeah. multiple felonies, that he has been given little choice but to flip and be and uh, become a witness for the prosecution. And there is evidence that he did that nearly three months ago and that wow. he's cooperating with investigators. If Flynn is in a position to ultimately testify against the president of the United States, this is huge. This, in my opinion, is a huge turning point in this entire story. It may be Mike Flynn under pressure for all of the things you mentioned and another thing we just learned about where he was trying to work a deal with Saudi Arabia and Russia to get nuclear uh, power facilities into into the Arab world. Uh, in exchange, uh, Russia would get $100, million, $100 billion dollars uh, in weapons sales to those Arab countries. Yeah. And and this was a deal he made secretly with the Russians, lied about it on paperwork, didn't mention it in vetting. And, uh, you know, so they have Flynn and they have him for lying. They have him dead to rights on so many things that he really doesn't have any choice but to fully, fully cooperate with this investigation. And that cooperation, I believe, will be the undoing not only of Trump, who kept Flynn on after being warned about him, uh, to, to Pence, who vetted Flynn and said, ah, he's A-OK for the job, in spite of getting letters from Flynn's lawyers saying that Flynn had these foreign entanglements. Uh, these guys are both guilty, yep. uh, all three of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the guy who I think is going to flip, too, is this guy uh, Brad Parsca- Parscali? Par- Parscal? I don't know. How, how are you pronouncing uh, that? But? Uh, Par- Parscal, Parscal, I think. But, and I hope he does. I don't know if he will or not. He's been resistant to that so far, but that could change depending on what they, what, if anything, they have on him. But yeah, I hope, I hope, I hope he changes. Yeah, he, he's the digital director for, for Donald Trump's campaign. And if anyone knows uh, about any sort of digital collusion, any sort of uh, coordination as far as the digital front of this entire effort, the entire attack, it might be this guy. This guy who uh, could could pass along to Russian intelligence through go-betweens, obviously, and say that, well, now here's what we're talking. Here's our message of the week digitally. Here's what we're pushing out on social media. Let's coordinate that with a disinformation campaign about Hillary Clinton or whomever. DNC, whatever you want to talk about, throw that in there too. And, and so- I want to emphasize that we're not throwing out conspiracy theories here. We 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 know, I mean, common sense dictates that the Russians could not have so accurately targeted their disinformation campaign to specific districts into specific blue districts yep. of, of the Rust Belt of these United States. They targeted these places on social media with with bots with with people uh, with bots posing as real people yep. with facebook accounts spreading this fake news and they had to know what news to spread and where to spread it and in order to do that as senator warner from the intelligence committee has concluded they had to have had out uh, help from the united states absolutely yeah and this guy might be one of the guys because right. he's got demographic information on each of these districts he knows what's being pumped into these districts as far as the campaign goes mm-hmm. so they're intimately familiar with the voters in all of these districts i mean this is modern campaigning where you are uh, uh, micro focusing on even down to the precinct level where you've got census data and you're uh, you're putting the census data together with uh, voting trends and things like that and so they're able to come up with well what what kind of information works best with these people in this district or even in this precinct and then to be able to target that with disinformation as you were saying on uh 
you know, a wide range of things that they were able to do. And that's how they were able to uh, maybe flip some of these districts. And I go back to, this is my ongoing thesis, Buzz, and I want to know what you think of this. Because a lot of talk is being uh, thrown around about, well, you know, the Russians didn't change any, any votes. Well, it's my view that they did, and I'll tell you why. And this is—I'm going to put aside any vote changing that might have happened on election day. And again, I want to make sure to preface that because I still believe that there might be evidence that'll be forthcoming to show us that they did, and they have, mm-hmm. and we've seen evidence mm-hmm. that they've tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. But even prior to that, I think votes were changed because minds were changed. Exactly. People decided to change their vote maybe months before election day, and these are people who were on the edge. These were not staunch Trump supporters yeah. who got their minds changed. These were people who, eh, I don't really like Hillary. I don't really like Trump. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Those folks, those are the folks who were tilted by some of the fake news they saw posted. So, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, votes were changed when minds were changed. Yep, exactly, exactly. So, And then meanwhile, uh, we have this story comes out that the uh, Robert Mueller's investigation has hired uh, witness-flipping experts <laughs> into the uh, Trump probe. A veteran federal prosecutor recor- uh, recruited onto special counsel Robert Mueller's team is known for a skill that may come in handy in the investigation of potential ties between Russia and the U.S. Uh, or the uh, presidential cam- campaign of Donald Trump. Persuading witnesses to turn on friends, colleagues, and superiors. Yeah, Andrew Weissman, who headed the U.S. Justice Department's criminal fraud section before joining Mueller's team last month, is best known for two assignments. The investigation of now-defunct energy company Enron and organized crime cases in Brooklyn, New York that depended heavily on gaining witness cooperation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this Mueller guy clearly knows what he's doing. He's hired, uh, what, 13 13 additional lawyers just in the past week that we know of, and and we understand he may be hiring more. Uh, Investigators are quickly becoming my new heroes alongside journalists. Yes. It was really, I think journalism gets most of the credit for, for Watergate, and I think it will get a lot of the credit for this, for the Russia scandal, uh, but uh, for, for unraveling it. Uh, but but I think prosecutors may come out uh, uh, as heroes out of this as well. Mm-hmm. I have certainly admired them. I've had career envy lately. They go, oh, <laughs> man, it is so cool what they do. It is so cool what they do and how they do it and what they know about doing it well. Uh, it's a it's a joy to watch. It's like watching if if I were a sports fan, which I'm not, it would be like watching uh, you know great players play. Yeah, this is a massive massive courtroom drama that we're right. looking at right now right. with with widespread implications. Yeah, and and to me, what's really encouraging about all of this, and and this sort of speaks to my concerns on November 9th, for example. On November 9th, I'm going. Is the system robust enough to stop these people? Because, you know, even then, yeah. we all knew yeah. what was going on. I mean, we were reporting on Trump Russia back, and in, we knew, back in July of last year. And we knew of the resistance from an all-Republican government. There. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so on, on November 9th, they're going, is the system robust enough to stop Trump? And it, right. it, will the system stand up to him? Or will he systematically eliminate Anyone that's standing in his way, will he change this? Will he, as uh, Steve Bannon said, will he deconstruct the system in order to suit his agenda? And we're seeing a little bit of that. uh, But mostly what we're seeing is the system standing up to Donald Trump and actually taking down his presidency and rightfully so. And I think that's the that's the important thing to take away in all this, or at least that's the positive thing to take away in all this. And we're seeing humans, people, individuals uh, finding ways to help a system that could use a little help where there are flaws or weaknesses in the system people have as you know risk their careers to come forward with information to help this along to give it a little push yep. here and there and i don't think they're done with that uh, as even as the government cracks down on leaks and even as one of those recent leaks uh, may actually have been quite harmful uh there we still i think count on that and i think we can expect to to see more of that if it will help push us toward justice, especially when that drive toward justice is uh, stalled along the way. We're going to take uh, one last break, but I have a, uh, a, a super important question to ask you right after this break. Uh, well, I'll ask you now, and you can think about it during the break. All right. Do you think, I guess it's a two-part question, do you think Mueller will be fired? And two, do you think uh, strategically, if, if you're watching the Trump administration operate, 
and you're seeing all the mistakes they're making and seeing all the repercussions because of that, making things worse for themselves. Uh-huh. Do you think he should be fired? We'll talk about that right after these words. All right. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska! This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Yes, it is. Uh, Buzz Burbank is here today. And, uh, okay, so when the rumors started flying around last week that Trump might fire uh, Bob Mueller, the special counsel, part of me went, Die, you Trump! And I started screaming at the my computer screen. And then another part of me went, you know, <laughs> one thing that would expedite all of this stuff is if Donald Trump fired Robert Mueller, <laughs> because then this, I mean, the shit with it hit the fan. This would be, uh, uh, I, I think even the Republicans would uh, abandon, at least a significant portion of the congressional Republicans would abandon Donald Trump because of Robert Mueller's uh, reputation and also because this would be so obviously obstruction of justice. What do you think, Buzz? I mean, both realistically and just as a person observing all of this, do you think uh, he's going to be fired? And if so, do you think it's going to accelerate the, uh, the proceedings here? Uh, I, I, I don't think that he'll be fired, but it's impossible to say with this president. Yeah. Uh, so I, you can't predict that it would be like the Saturday night massacre. It could accelerate or it could slow down or derail the investigation. So I don't like the idea of Mueller leaving under any circumstances. Yeah. Uh, and again, with this unpredictable president, you just don't know it. I remember now it, it seemed we came very close to Trump doing that. And then he seemed to back off of it. And now I'm hearing talk again, that it's back on the table is a possibility so uh you know it's it's very concerning i don't know and and as to the question is whether he should recuse himself because of perceived or accused conflicts i i all i could say is i hope that doesn't happen i see yeah. an investigator who is fiercely pursuing the truth in uh the most professional manner using the best people he can and i would hate to see that uh, paused or derailed in any way uh, so I kind of hope he's able to hang on. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we're looking at a lot of uh, we're looking at a White House strategy where they either don't say anything or they self-defeat. It's one of the other two things. They're either stonewalling everybody or they're saying stupid things. So who knows? Who knows what could happen next? I mean, I, I do think uh, if I were to go out on a limb, I would say, yeah, Trump is going to fire Robert Mueller at some point soon. And I'm very. I think he. I think he's been told repeatedly. Of course, he gets told a lot of things and ignores them anyway. But I think Trump has been told firmly and repeatedly that this would be the Saturday Night Massacre yeah. all over again, and could could make matters worse for him because it would very much appear to be obstruction of justice, especially on top of everything else he's done, which I think already pretty clearly indicates obstruction of justice. Now, before we wrap up the show, I want to change gears here over to healthcare because there's yeah. this clip of audio. Uh, it's it, it takes place. I, I'm not sure exactly what Senate committee it's in, but it's, it's Claire McCaskill. Yes. Who's the senator from Missouri going yeah. off on Orrin Hatch, who, by the way, is third in line in the presidential line of succession. I just want to emphasize that here at the beginning. Orrin Hatch comes after Paul Ryan in the presidential line of succession. So it goes Mike Pence, Paul Ryan, 
Orrin Hatch. And everyone's been talking about the, the whole Louise Mensch crowd, the Claude Taylor, Louise Mensch, Eric Garland, that group has all been talking about how, well, we're going to end up with President Orrin Hatch at some point. So I don't necessarily agree with them on this, but uh, I mean, it's always a possibility. Uh, it would be extraordinary if it actually happened. But yeah. this guy is kind of out to lunch. And Claire yes. McCaskill, furthermore, oh, what's that, Buzz? I, I was just agreeing with that. And I, I want to hear the, I think we should hear the tape first. Mm. But afterward, I want to talk about uh, what happens uh, no matter who ends up with the presidency yeah. in that line of, of succession. So this is Claire McCaskill letting Orrin Hatch have it over the secrecy of Trump care being pushed through the Senate. So my first question that I would make of the chair is, will we have a hearing on the health care proposal? Will we? Yes. That's Orrin Hatch saying, will we, by the way. Right. And right. I enhance the audio here. Now, in a second one of Orrin Hatch's staffers is going to yes. come up and whisper in his ear. And I increased the volume on the audio so we can hear what she actually Wonderful. says, says to him. I, uh, I think we've already had one, but... No, I mean on the proposal that you're planning to bring to the floor of the Senate for a vote. Will there be a hearing? Will you... Okay, okay, so the staffers come up and said, uh, uh, we have invited the Democrats here to this process, and we are open to any suggestions. This is, that's what she whispers in Orrin Hatch's yeah. ear. Right. Well, I don't know that <clears throat> there's going to be another hearing, but we've invited so, you to, to participate no, and give your ideas. No, that's and not true, Mr. Chairman. Let me just say, I, I watched carefully all of the hearings that went on on the Affordable yeah. Health Care Act. So th this is perfectly in keeping with everything the Republicans have been doing lately. And I'm talking specifically about uh, some of the people who have testified on Trump Russia. Uh, we're talking about Mike Rogers, talking about Dan Coats, talking about Jeff Sessions last week, where they just refused to answer. And in this case, Orrin had I think not only refused to answer, but he wasn't sure of what the answer was, which is deep, yeah, which is deeply Amen. concerning for a United States senator to yeah. not understand what Claire McCaskill was asking. Why haven't we been able to see what's in this legislation? And then his staffer has to come up and give him the answer to the question, which he poorly repeats. And this is just... Uh, uh, this is horrendous on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. But of course, the main one is they are reforming one-sixth of the American economy in complete secrecy. Right. I mean, the yeah. Democrats in the Senate, I mean, this is the United States Senate. This isn't the House of Representatives where sometimes this grabassery they can get away with on the House side. On the Senate side, this is supposed to be the cooling saucer. This is supposed to be where uh, where democracy is really underscored, where people, uh, you know, refer to themselves as my esteemed colleague, and there's right. a collegiality about the Senate where they all work together on, on both sides of the aisle, and they try to get things done, and uh, in, in best cases of course and there are there is partisanship in the senate too but never has there been this amount of secrecy with a piece of legislation that is this massive there were a hundred and i think it was 119 hearings on obamacare in 2009 when that was getting passed there have been zero hearings in the senate on this this so is far, yeah yeah this is close to a discussion on this as they've had in a, in a, it's in a, a committee bob it's it's as if they're hiding something yeah i mean i would kind of think <laughs> that at some point that they're hiding this and yeah. I, I, it's it's abhorrent because we're talking about the the lives and health of tens of millions of people that's right in addition to as you pointed out a sixth of the country's economy and all of it being done in secret uh, so far. Uh, Mitch McConnell has kept it that way. Yeah. Uh, when challenged, McConnell said that Democrats would be offered an opportunity to uh, propose amendments. How much time they will get, uh, we don't know. Uh, how, how much time they will get to take a look at what the Republicans have come up with, we don't know. We know, as I said earlier, most Republicans, most Republicans in the Senate have not seen this bill. Thirteen men uh, on uh, the committee have seen it, but no one else has, and uh, apparently no one else will, perhaps even until the last minute. Uh, Democrats are protesting that loudly. Uh, as I said, some Republicans are concerned. Yep. It may be that even if they try to get away with this, 
that it might not pass just because so many Republicans never got a chance to see it and don't want to go home and face their districts in 2018. Right. And meanwhile, the Democrats are somewhat powerless in so far as they don't hold the majority in the Senate. Right. So there's not a whole lot they can do procedurally but there are things they can do and mm-hmm. but they what and and that they're not necessarily doing what they're doing a lot of right now is what they typically do which is uh they did a talkathon all night which is is i guess necessary but ultimately a lot of wasted time kind of pointless because who's actually sitting up and watching it second of all uh, one thing that we learned from republican strategist and msnbc regular wick rick wilson is that Mitch McConnell doesn't care about their screaming. Mitch McConnell right. doesn't care about any of that. They can, do a talk, they can talk all they want. Mitch McConnell doesn't care about the talkathons. And, and I just I, I get a little discouraged when I see the Democrats not really leaning into this as well as they could. And, and, and that's well, what, I, they may still have some tricks up their sleeves, including filing lawsuits. Uh, so they, they, they do have some options. There are ways for the minority to speak in our government. Yeah. Uh, and, but, but yeah, it's, I mean, uh, Bob, to me, they're fighting the good fight as best they can within the limited power that they have. And I do think that the, the talkathons do uh, uh, two things. They show us, uh, in a sense, that uh, they are fighting the good fight and trying to do their jobs. But they also get some pretty good sound bites on television that may frighten enough, even Republican voters, that they pick up the phone and call their uh, senators. That's true. Uh, I think that uh, there there is certainly a, an upside to this. I, I hope that's the case. I, I just don't see it really impacting with the same vigor as. And maybe this is always a grass is always green on the other side kind of analysis. But I always feel like the Republicans know how to fight these things and the Republicans know how to uh, organize to win. And the Democrats, not as well. They don't do as well when it comes to that. They're not. That's been true. Yeah. Yeah. They're not the kind of brawlers that I that I'd like them to be. And you know what? Maybe that's a good thing. Ultimately, at the end of the day, maybe that's a good thing because, you know what, we still need adults in the room and we can't have everyone slinging red meat and and engaging in shovel fights on the Senate floor. If the Republicans are going to play grab ass like they normally do and they're going to deal in disinformation and they're going to do things like uh, Orrin Hatch did or things like Mitch McConnell does or things like, frankly, Jeff Sessions and and Mike Rogers and Dan Coates and Rod Rosenstein, they all did with a stonewalling and not answering questions perhaps illegally we're gonna need a second prison boss <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> but i mean i think you know on the other side of the aisle it's it's both frustrating that that the democrats don't fight harder you don't see a I lot know. of animals on the democratic side but the on the other hand maybe we need the grown-ups maybe we need them to be to have that sort of obama-esque restraint Traditionally, at least in our form of government, the minority gets a voice. Uh, if you know, if they don't get it, I, I don't know what we do. We take it as it comes. Speaking of Obama, I would really like to see. And I, again, no one's going to question my credentials as far as uh, being an Obama bot. But uh, you know, I kind of wish Obama was out lobbying against this uh, legislation, out giving speeches and rallying people to do this, because I feel like. Uh, the, the town halls and things like that were going so well a couple of months mm-hmm. ago, and they were right. really uh, nailing the Republicans on health care. Right. And then uh, Trump Russia took over, and we're not seeing as much uh, from the uh, the town halls and so forth. Right. And I think this maybe would be, yeah, it would be a good time and place for Obama to step up. Yeah, yeah, a national le- leader to come in and say, hey, let's uh, let's stick it to him. And I think Obama could be the guy to do that. I mean, I think, uh, again, the Democrats need a singular leader. I mean, there are a lot of leaders out there, but I think we need a single go-to guy. And, oh, do uh, we ever. There's a yeah. lot at stake here. Yep, absolutely. So, that's it, Buzz. Thank you for being on the show. We're going to do the uh, post-mortem show, huh? Absolutely, and thanks for having me. That's coming up next, buzzburbank.com, realmnetwork.com. You can listen to Buzz Burbank News and comment on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. It is the best hour of news you're going to get anywhere. And uh, how, how many pages you got going? Do you have a page count so far? Uh, yeah, I'm up to 29 pages <laughs> and uh, 5,500 words. But I still have stories to write. Oh, my God. It's colossal. All right, so that's coming up uh, tomorrow, uh, Thursday. Thursday is yes, Buzzer Records. Thursday, coming. right. And, uh, okay, the post-mortem show is coming up right after this. You can sign up at patreon.com slash Chez. 
$5 a month gets you two post-mortem shows a week. $10 a month gets you two post-mortem shows plus the after party on Friday. And $15 a month gets you uh, all that crap plus an unbleeped commercial-free version of this show. All right, post-mortem shows coming up next. See you over there. If not, see you on Thursday. Bye-bye.